Welcome to the Friends with Money podcast, brought to you by Money Magazine, creating financial freedom for Australians since 1999. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Friends with Money podcast. My name is Tom Watson, a senior journalist here at Money Magazine, and it's great to be with you once again. Today, we're talking all about ETFs, aka exchange traded funds. So uh, apologies to anyone who misread the title and was ready for a riveting chat about electronic fund transfers, because uh, that's not going to happen. Terrible jokes aside, why are we talking ETFs, though? Well, according to a report released late last year by Investment Trends and BetaShares, 1.9 million Australian investors now have ETFs in their portfolios, a number which has uh, grown and grown in recent years and is expected to uh, continue to do so this year. So whether you're thinking about adding an ETF or two to your own portfolio, or you could just do with a a bit of a refresher, which are No, I'm certainly in that camp. Um, We're going to cover off the fundamentals of ETFs and more on today's show. Thankfully, today's guest, Matt Leibowitz, the uh, CEO of Trading Platform Stake, is a man who knows a considerable amount more on the subject than I do. So, Matt, thank you so much for joining us, and I'm very glad to have you here to uh, guide us through today. No, thanks for having me. Good to be here. You are very welcome. Um, Matt, to start us off, could you give us a quick run through of what ETFs actually are and how they differ from investing in, say, shares in a specific company? Sure. So an ETF, as you define as an exchange-traded fund, it's ultimately an asset, whether that be uh, an index in, you know, like the Australian, the ASX 200 or the NASDAQ or the S&P 500, or it could be a commodity. It could be a gold, for example, or it could be anything from a property fund. And it's broken up into really small chunks, which are then listed similar to a stock uh, on on an exchange. So the exchange traded funds, as I said, it's just those little parcels of a fund that's broken down that make it accessible for for individual investors to buy them. Uh, whereas with a stock, you're buying pieces of a company, small units of a company, and you're a shareholder of that company. With an ETF, you're essentially a shareholder or a fund holder of that fund. So what do you think's made them, and I, I guess when I think about ETFs, I think about younger investors, especially whether that's you know true or not, but what, what's made people attracted to them um, in recent years? I think it's quite straightforward to get diversification straight away. And a lot of you know early or younger investors or people investing for the first time don't quite know what to buy. They don't know, any, they don't know how to specifically do a research on a company, but they believe that they should be invested or they should be invested in the market or they should just have exposure and an ETF gives you automatic exposure um, to a diversified asset class immediately. So you don't need to do a you don't need to do individual self research into in like a single stock. You can at once buy a whole basket of stocks. One thing that we definitely have to talk about is fees. So do management fees tend to vary much between ETFs and and broadly, how do they kind of tend to compare to uh, to other investments? Yeah, I mean, they do. The The more simple the ETF, either the more simple the asset that's underneath, the lower the fees are because it actually doesn't take a lot to manage it. What the ETF uh, provider is doing is buying one or two instruments and they're carving it up. If you start to have a managed ETF or it's got lots of complexities and lots of bits in it, the fees tend to increase. So I think Vanguard have got like 0.1 or even below that for one of their ETFs, which is just a broad-based index uh, ETF. Um, whereas if you have something that's a bit more actively managed, um, like a property fund or a, 
um, how you know maybe like an actively managed fund where a, a, like a hedge fund or a, um, an asset manager then creates a certain basket of stocks that they pick, there's going to be a higher fee on those. So it depends what you're after, but the more complex the actual underlying or the the, the assets inside that fund are, the more expensive it's naturally going to be. Mm, well, that makes complete sense. Uh, one of the kind of the terms that I've come across in the in the world of ETFs is is thematic ETFs. So, what are those, and 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 how do they differ? I guess from um from index funds. Yeah, so a thematic ETF by definition is a theme. So, for example, in the US, which stake offers you know seamless access to US equities, there's the ARK funds, which are basically they're trying to. I guess bet on a thematic of technology leading the charge, and they go and select a few stocks um, that they believe are the most innovative companies in the world. They're going to grow uh, as the world progresses. So that's a thematic around technology. Uh, whereas if you have a passive fund, say a gold ETF, uh, all it does is track the performance of gold close to one to one. So it's either a theme, an idea, or it's basically an asset class, and those are the two differences really. And, and do you think that kind of thematic ETFs? Have they have they grown in prominence over the past couple of years, or do you do you think they've become more popular with investors for for whatever reason? Yeah, I mean, they definitely have. What we're seeing is obviously the the ones that have a technology bend or a renewables bend, or uh, you know, are aligned to something that people actually understand or want to get behind. There's always that interest. The the standard passive ETFs where you just uh, nearly set and forget it's I want to buy the whole market. I believe that the world is naturally moving forward and markets generally tend tend upwards over time. They've obviously got their ups and downs. Um, for people that want to take a little bit more risk, I'd say, or believe in something or want to or have a bit more knowledge, would rather say, look, I like the theme. I like where this space is going. I don't have to do a lot of work myself. I don't know which stocks in that sector are, um, are the ones to back. So I'll go back a manager who's doing that work. And that's what you're doing when you're buying a thematic ETF. Matt, something that I'm sure a lot of would-be investors who who maybe haven't gotten into uh, ETFs yet may be curious about is is dividends. So how how do dividends work with ETFs? Depends on the actual ETF itself. Um, if some stocks, some ETFs won't pay any dividends, i.e., you know, they may not have dividend-paying stocks in there. But if it does, it just accrues to the members ultimately or to the fund, and then it gets distributed individually. So if you own one percent of a fund and the dividend is a hundred dollars you're going to end up with a one dollar dividend but every etf has different rules sometimes the dividend gets reinvested it all depends on the rules of that etf it can get a little bit complicated but ultimately it's like owning a share in a company much the same you're going to get it by how many how much that dividend is per unit and how many units you own it just gets passed all the way through the fund right okay uh, something that I'm kind of curious myself about, um, as someone who's only ever purchased uh, ASX listed ETFs, is is whether it's actually possible to buy ETFs on international exchanges as well. So is is that the case? Yeah, well, I think it's it's a, sometimes interesting when you in you know, ETF issuers. Uh, there's every when you invest in ETFs, normally you're going to go and buy locally if that's your investment strategy. But if you want more exotic ETFs or you want that thematic or you want an asset class that doesn't exist in Australia, you're more likely to go overseas. So in the US, there's over 1,500 ETFs. I think in Australia, it's a couple of hundred maybe. So there's like seven to eight times as many just in the US market. And they they really stretch into some pretty exotic areas. Um, you can get leveraged ETFs on the downside. You can go you know, buy, as I said, the ARC, where you couldn't get that in Australia. Uh, you can actually go, there's a, just a wider range of ETFs over different asset classes, whether they be you know, environmental, whether it be robotics, whether that be a 3D printing ETF, for example, in the US that I know of. Um, it's pretty broad. You can go buy all sorts of 
indices cut up into slices. You can buy ETFs from different managers who have performed really well that have different strategies. So yeah, I mean, if you want, the, the world is a lot bigger than Australia, obviously. Australia's obviously got great access and you can get access to international ETFs in Australia. So you can go buy the NASDAQ 100, but then you've obviously got the FX risk. You're taking the spread on the exchange fee that's actually included inside that ETF. Whereas if you go overseas, you're buying it directly, but you're doing that stuff yourself, i.e. you're transferring your money into US dollars and buying an ETF and then transferring it back. So there's a few little things to be aware of, but but naturally you'll go overseas if you want a broader base or a broad, broader range of ETFs to choose from. Um, and the ETF market outside Australia dwarfs what's in Australia, but you can get good coverage here in Australia as well. Listen, that's a that's a whole new world to me. So, <laughs> so you obviously need to take a look at. Um, we've talked a lot about the uh, the positives of ETFs so far, Matt. But are there, are there any potential downsides to investing in ETFs, or I guess things that people should maybe consider about having an uh, an all ETF portfolio or anything along those lines? Yeah, I mean, I think with ETFs, they're just like any other investment. They go up, down and sideways. The market doesn't discriminate. <laughs> you know, we've seen property in Australia go down. Who would have ever thought, you know, um, it can happen. So I think, you know, there's been ETFs that have closed down. The manager hasn't been uh, particularly strong, uh, their rule set. Um, you had an inverse volatility ETF that closed down about three years ago. So all sorts, and then the money just got returned. What was there dropped 85% in a day. So stuff can happen. It's not absolutely, nothing's a guarantee in this world. Um, but also you've got very broad exposure. So you don't have upside if, you know, one company does something, you know, if you invest in a company and it grows 50 fold, if you only own a very small part through an ETF, you're not going to get that full exposure. So your upside is also capped in terms of absolute exposure in terms of to a particular company. Um, but your downside's also a little bit more muted if the company doesn't perform, i.e., let's say you buy the ASX 200, one company smashes it out of the park and one company goes south, um, you're basically neutral. Um, so you don't get the same exposure that you get from a single stock, but you've got to be right, obviously, with your stock. But, you know, it's, it's an ETF is a, probably a, a less risky way to invest than buying an individual stock, but there still are risks associated. Well, I can see why they're so appealing to uh, to first-time investors, as you uh, as you shared at the start of the conversation, Matt. That seems like a pretty uh, pretty good spot to uh, to end things on today, though. So thank you so much for joining us. You've been a uh, an excellent educator on uh, on all things ETFs, and uh, it has been a pleasure chatting. So thank you. No, cheers. Thanks for having me. Before we go, don't forget that if you enjoy listening to Friends with Money, we'd love you to share or recommend it to your own friends and family. Not only does that help us out, but uh, hey, you might be introducing someone to a pod that they end up enjoying as much as you do. You can also leave us a glowing review on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button to make sure that you don't miss out on our future episodes. We'd also love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, or even story ideas. So to shoot something our way, you can use our dedicated email, which is podcast at moneymag.com.au. And last of all, you can keep up to date with all the latest financial news and views on our website by heading over to moneymag.com.au. That's it for this episode of the Friends with Money podcast, but we'll be back in your feeds next week. I'm Tom Watson. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Friends with Money podcast. For credible, independent and easy to understand financial commentary, visit moneymag.com.au. Please remember that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are general in nature and further independent advice and research based on your personal circumstances should be sought before making an investment decision.